Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 443. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we've got Kevin Rakestraw. Hey, Kevin. Hey, hi. Now, this week on the show, we'll be taking a look at the folk horror film, You Won't Be Alone. We'll also be going over someone watching on the watch list and talking about what's coming out in theaters, VOD, and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Please remember to review us on iTunes if we get a moment. With that, I think we can just go straight into our review. Not really much in the way of housekeeping. New Saved by the 90s did drop last week, so uh, if you haven't yet, check that out. We talk about adventure movies. Uh, You Won't Be Alone. This is written and directed by Goran Stalevsky. I have a synopsis here. In an isolated mountain village in 19th century Macedonia, a young woman is kidnapped and then transformed into a witch by an ancient spirit. Kevin, we'll start with you. What were your initial impressions of You Won't Be Alone? Uh, I think it's the same as probably everyone, is that this looks beautiful. The landscapes, the cinematography, so much of it is just incredible visually. Just, I mean, my goodness. Uh, You also have a a lot of uh, what I thought were pretty impressive uh, effects. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's that's it. That's it. Mm -hmm. I felt I found this to be very, very empty. Yep. Yep. And long for that reason. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, just a lot of. Just Malik type stuff going on. Mostly the thing that got me, which is pro- pretty much the the thing that I have a, a lot of issues with in, in Malik's own movies is that like the the voiceover. It is so <sighs> grating in this movie. The fact that it's like, first of all, sometimes it sounds like the the woman narrating is like eating the microphone. It's like in her mouth when she's talking. It is so like. It's it's too much. She's too close to the mic. And then the whispering too. And like, yeah. uh, it's just, it's like weird. It's like some kind of weird ASMR type of thing mm-hmm. that's happening. And it, I did not enjoy that at all. And, and yeah. I was thinking the whole time of like what this movie would be if not for the, the inner monologue, because the main character doesn't talk. And we hear we hear her thoughts and her like her analysis her her trying to figure out humans and, and sort of processing what it's what it is to be human and we hear her like kind of going through that in her head and i was thinking like oh, how, how would this be different like how would it play out differently if we didn't hear that inner monologue we just saw her you know, uh, trying to mimic people and learn how to be a human, and yeah, what, what, like would it be more effective to, I know, to I know. Get, just get rid of that inner monologue? Maybe because I think it's one of the issues that I have with the inner monologue, outside of like the technical aspects of it, like you said, where it's just like the implementation of it, like the recording of it, just doesn't work for me. But I think also is. Um, kind of being steadfast with this idea of, you know, her being a witch, her spending her, what, like first 16 years stuck inside of this cave. Mm-hmm. The problem that I had is 
this inner monologue, she doesn't have the vocabulary for it to be interesting or enlightening. You know what I mean? Like, it's just it's sticking hard to the rule that, you know, she's a witch. She's been held captive. So obviously she doesn't have, you know, the, the vocabulary to express everything that she's experiencing. And because of that, I think there's not a ton of insight. Like, it's all very surface level to me. And you, I think you also get that with the visuals of it, like, even if you were to cut out the, the inner monologue, maybe it makes it better, maybe it doesn't. I have no idea. Because the way that she acts in the various bodies that she inhabits, it's all very, very surface level. Right. Yeah. And it's just not interesting for an hour and, you know, like 50 minutes. And I think that just the nature of the the narrative here makes the length feel longer than it actually is just because it it is sort of this like kind of sprawling narrative where we follow her through like years and years and it just feels so plodding and like I man I like there were several times where I'm like just how long is this movie cuz it yeah. felt it felt so long to me and that's not to say that I didn't enjoy uh, parts of it i thought i agree with you that the visuals were outstanding i liked the score too it had a really interesting score to it where it was almost this like whimsical score that that didn't necessarily match with sort of the horrors that were happening on screen but but it also kind of worked for me yeah yeah i <laughs> That's the thing that's difficult for me, because in terms of, like, you, you know, presenting me with the idea of a folk horror movie. Like, I really like the execution of this, in a sense, because it just, it feels, like, as realistic as you can make a folk horror. Because there's some horrors in this, but they're just presented like they're happening in real life, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. And, and it's like I like that, but at the same I this at the same time, I don't know if I do. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's just it's, difficult to critique for me. Yeah, it's a tough one because I think that it does have a lot going for it. I think that the performances across the board are quite good. You have a really kind of eclectic cast in here that is from like all backgrounds like Numi Rapace is in here and Alice Englert, she's Australian. So you have like Australian, French, Swedish, uh, all, all different walks of life in, in this movie, which is a, a movie that takes place in, in Macedonia and is the dialogue is in Macedonian. So kind of a, kind of a cool, like international picture in a lot of ways. And so, yeah, the, I thought that the, the performances were quite good um, as well. And I will also mirror your, uh, your comment about the, the effects work. I thought that was quite good as well, especially like there's like certain what I would sort of almost lean towards like body horror elements of this and in this rather. And um, those are quite good too. Like when she's, digging in her chest and doing that kind of stuff. It just looks so gruesome and real. I mean, it just, 
they did a really good job. It's a it's a very dirty movie. Like there's just lots of fluids and mud and like just gross shit going on all all, all throughout this movie. It's, and I thought that all that all that was very effective. Lots of blood in this too. So I think that a lot of it is kind of disturbing. I liked the I liked what they did with like the witch, like her her like fingernails and like that one claw thing that comes out of her palm. Yeah, she's got like a dew claw thing going yeah. on. I, yeah, yeah, I, I think maybe it comes down to that too. Is that a the voiceover? Uh, the voiceover coupled with to me is like a lack of insight. I'm not. It's just. It never felt profound to me in any way, like her discovering humanity and learning about humanity across, you know, spanning across these years. I just, it never felt like she learned anything new outside of what she already had in the beginning, which is she felt for people and creatures. It was almost like she was just mimicking them. Like she was learning. The only thing she learned was like how to mimic them. Now, later on, uh, in the in the movie, it she does show emotion, like she does eventually fall in love and get married, and there's you know tragic things that happen there. So you you do see her show emotion eventually, but it's not you know for quite a long time. Yeah, and even that, and even that, you're never really sure if it's just like what she's supposed to. I think it was genuine, but still, yeah, it just felt a bit too repetitive for my taste. Because of that, where she she's inhabiting different bodies across the years, and but she's learning at such an incremental pace that it just it became repetitive to me. And the visuals can only do so much, I think, because they start out mm-hmm. really, really strong. Especially that I mean, you're talking about that location inside that you know that cave hollow out cave thing, yeah, which is just incredible. But then it just becomes a bunch of hay. Just a lot of hay rolling mm-hmm. around in hay, getting hay in your hair. I don't know, it's there's, just... there's, there's one scene where she's like <clears throat> eating the hay too, which is kind of weird. But props to Numi Rapace for just sticking hay in her mouth with the yeah. fake blood and all that. Yeah, I think at some point you would do that. If you're on this earth for that long and there's that much hay around and you're learning about <laughs> humans, you're going you're gonna to stick it in your mouth at some point. Yeah, just give it a try. Just see. Can I, can I use this as sustenance instead of blood? Let's. It's time to find out. <laughs> nah, that doesn't work. Okay, all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's just uh, eh. presented in a uh, in like a four by three aspect ratio too, which is kinda, yeah, kind of different. Not sure why, but I just I I don't know. I I really like this idea of a a folk horror not really presented in a horror film framing. You know what I mean? Like, there's not jump scares. They're not trying to, like, build tension and set up scares and that type of thing. It's just like, you know, the stories that you would hear in a village just played out in realism, really, which Mm -hmm. is a really interesting idea. And I thought for the most part they do it very well visually. It's just the substance of it just felt hollow to me. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Like, this isn't one that I would be clamoring to see again. 
Like, yeah, I, just, I don't think I could do it again. But I, yeah, it's t- it's tough because I think it does have a lot going for it. But yeah, and I, at the same time, I could see it if someone was to say, "Hey, what what type of like full car films would you suggest?" I would probably throw this out there, even though I'm not high on it. I'd be like, "This is you know, this is an example of something different." Hmm. Yeah. Um. It's a, yeah, it's a tough one. I, I think it's definitely definitely a tough one to sort of give a score to. But I also think that I'm a little bit full card out, and I think that that definitely affects how I feel about it a little bit. Like I just, I feel like we've just been getting this never ending onslaught of full car recently, and and I'm just kind of done with yeah. with it for now. Like I'm ready to move on to something else. I don't know. I, yeah. I mean, I am and I'm not, because I also feel like there's so many of these countries have their own folklore that mm-hmm. I'm interested in seeing, but maybe we could space them out a little bit. Yeah, just just yeah, break up the monotony a little bit here, guys. Come on. All right. Uh, anything else you want to add about you won't be alone before we give it a score? No, nah, I think I'm good. Forgettable title, too. Bad title. Yes. Sorry. It's a bad title. No, you should have called this Wolf Eatress. Wolf Eatress. That would have been, that would have get, got people's attention. I wouldn't no, have forgot yeah, that would. title. No. Uh, all right, Kevin, what are you going to give it out of 10? Oh, man. It's like a six. I'm at like a, I'm at like a five and a half. Five, five and a half on this one. All right. Let's move on. Talk about some of what we're watching. Oh, by the way, that movie is available on VOD right now, so you can check it out on VOD. Let's move on. Talk about some of what we're watching. I believe it is my turn this week, and I actually saw some stuff, unlike last week. Uh, I'll start off with Everything Everywhere All at Once. Oh, yeah. uh, I'm sure that you're all quite aware of this, directed by Daniels. Uh, I loved it. Uh, probably one of my favorite movies of the year. I mean, this might be number one as of right now. This is number one. It's yes. Uh, it is just, it's hitting on all levels. It is a movie that I think sp- speaks directly to me. I loved it. I, it. The action is awesome. The editing, the editing in this movie is on another level because everything in this movie is so fast and there's so much going on in this movie and it's just so kinetic, and I can't imagine what a daunting task it must have been to edit this movie. Because there's just, I mean, there's like layers on top of layers on top of layers, and there's like, the way that she jumps between the the different, like, multiverses or, or the different realities, it's, it's so fast, the way that she she hops through them, and it's like in an instant she's somewhere else. And I mean, it's just, it's so good. It's so well-made. Uh, I love Michelle Yeoh in this. Everybody is awesome. It, it's a feel good movie. Like by the end, you're just feeling great. I think that this is the type of movie where you just have a smile on your face the entire time. It's funny. It's got awesome action scenes in it. Like the fight scenes are incredible. Uh, it's weird. It embraces that it, that it's weird and absurd. I mean, there's a whole universe in this where everybody has hot dog fingers and that's just it. It's just like regular. It's like regular reality, except everybody has hot dog fingers. 
Incredible. And it's it's such a cool mechanic where she's able to she has this device that allows her to access all of her all of her the different versions of herself throughout the multiverse. So and then she can utilize the skills that the other versions of her have like one of them one version of her is a sign spinner so she can use that and like tap into that skill one of one one of her other versions is like a uh, like hibachi chef she can tap into that skill and one version of her is basically Michelle Yeoh which is kind of interesting and uh it yeah it's just it's i can't recommend it highly enough it is playing at theaters right now i imagine that it'll be on VOD before long but yes Everything, everywhere, all at once. Absolutely check it out. Yeah, I'm I'm so excited for this. I would also like to point out that the, the film's editor hasn't done a ton of stuff. I mean, they did do the, the death of Dick Long. Mm-hmm. The, the one half Daniels movie. I guess that's a Daniel movie. <laughs> but they also did the editing for You Cannot Kill David Arquette. Oh, okay. Which is I just find interesting for some reason. I'm not sure why, but I do. I mean, I don't really remember the editing in that movie I don't specifically, either. but I, I liked the movie a lot. <laughs> um, <clears throat> interesting is last last time we were recorded, you didn't watch anything, and I watched a bunch of stuff. This time, I didn't watch anything, so mm. I got nothing. I just started a bunch of TV, and that's it. Okay. All right. Well, I got a couple other things I can mention here. Choose or Die is another one that I saw, which is directed by Toby Meekins. This is a Netflix movie, horror movie that came out last week. Uh, it's bad. I don't have mm-hmm. a lot to say about it. It's basically about a uh, two friends who find this old game, this old PC game, and discover that there was like a a $125,000 prize for anybody who could beat the game. And it seemed to be unclaimed. Now, how they knew that it was claimed or not, I don't know. Like they called a number and it I guess they just kind of thought that it was unclaimed, but turns out if you try to play the game, it makes you it's like a text adventure type of game, but it alters reality and it forces you to make a decision between two different things and both are horrible and if you don't decide, if you don't make a choice, as the title suggests, you you die. It kills you. Mm-hmm. It's uh, very poorly acted. It's very poorly written. It is not that interesting as far as like the stuff that happens. Like it starts off kind of crazy, but it just doesn't really go anywhere. Very compelling. And uh, for some reason, Eddie Mars Marsden is in this, and I don't know why, uh, but he's in there. Can't. Can't yeah, recommend it. Huh. Just it's not, not good. It's not good. Another one that didn't work for me is Ambulance. Uh, this is the Michael Bay movie. This is out on VOD now. Uh the one the the one reason that I wanted to see this, I'll I'll, I'll always give a Michael Bay movie a shot. I don't like Michael Bay as a director, but I think that some of his movies are just so over the top and ridiculous that they're entertaining and i kind of like 
the fact that Michael Bay is just so full of himself that he just like, he seems like the most narcissistic director in the world. I don't know if that's true or not, but it just seems like it with his movies. Yeah. And in fact, in fact, in ambulance, he references two of his other movies. He references bad boys and he references the rock directly like naming, like, like title dropping them in this, which is kind of funny. Uh, so this is about, it's like a heist movie. It's about these, uh, these two brothers who rob a bank and shit goes sideways and they end up hijacking a, an ambulance. And there's a, a shot police officer in the ambulance and an EMT worker. And it plays out sort of like a, I don't know, like a speed type of thing where basically the whole movie is a car chase. And some parts of it are awesome. Like the, some of the action scenes in this are incredible. Like I will give it that everything else is garbage. The dialogue is garbage. The writing is garbage. All the characters are complete stereotypes and, and garbage. Um, most of the performances are average to middling, but the action scenes are almost, almost make this worth a look. There's um, one of the things that I think that most people talk about when discussing this movie is the drone shots in it. Up until this point, a lot of movies do usually they do drone shots that are like sort of establishing shots or like, you know, showing uh, characters traveling from point A to point B. And they don't utilize drones a lot. This movie is crazy with the drones. I mean, like every other shot is a drone shot and they go nuts with it. And the drone shots are not just like simple overhead shots. This drone is just flying and twisting and going all over the place. And it's, it's really cool. Like it's really, really impressive. And it's like the type of shots that you just don't see a lot because the only way to get them is with a drone. And, um, apparently I didn't look into this too heavily, but apparently Michael Bay like saw drone footage that this like 19 year old did online and was like, Hey, I need him for, for this movie. And he hired him. So all the drone shots are from this like 19 year old who uses an FPV drone, which is like the type of drone where you, you put on the goggles and it's like sort of specialized for like racing and stunts and stuff. Nice. So yeah, the action scenes are really incredible. Drone work is awesome. A lot of the camera work is just really, really cool. Super stylized, really fun, but everything else in the movie is formulaic and bad. So yeah, that's kind of, kind of where I'm at with ambulance. Yeah. I am interested in seeing the, the drone footage from this movie. It's I mean, it's all, it's all, it's almost, it seems like me if, to me that like, I would, I'm more interested in seeing a, like a behind the scenes, how, yeah. did they, how they do it. You know what I mean? Like, I want to see how they filmed more so than I actually want to see the movie itself. That's kind of where I'm at with it. Like if, if they have, I'm sure that they will be releasing it because I think it is just, it's almost like it almost feels like a gimmick with this movie. Like it's the, the drone shots like are so prominent and take like such precedent over anything else that 
that I'm sure that they they're going to be releasing yeah. behind the scenes stuff for this because it's I mean it's the one thing that that is notable about this movie. All right, let's take a look at what we have in theaters this week. There's only one of note, and that's Memory with Liam Neeson. Ooh, this is, is this, yeah. What is this? I've never heard of this whatsoever. I I never have either. Apparently, he's an expert assassin who. Oh, of course he is. An expert assassin with a reputation for discreet precision. Oh, uh, but his mind is fading. His conscience Uh-oh. is clear. He's caught in a moral quagmire. Oh, fuck. <laughs> this is directed by the guy that did Green Lantern and Goldeneye. Oh, actually, we just uh, we just talked about that guy on uh, Saved by the 90s. Check, check that out. Uh, all right, uh, that's pretty much it for theaters on VOD this week. On the 26th, we have Hostile Territory. Uh, it looks like a uh, Civil War movie, maybe? Oh. It's a film by, film by Brian Presley, starring Brian Presley. Oh. It's a, it's Every a, rousing, it. it's a rousing Western action adventure. Uh, yeah, wow. Every war has its casualties. Yep. On the 27th, we have 365 Days This Day. That's on Netflix. Also on the 27th, we have Silverton Siege. We also have on Netflix on the 27th, The Mystery of Marilyn Monroe, The Unheard Tapes. On the 28th, on Netflix, we have Bubble. That's a a Japanese animated film. After bubbles that broke the laws of gravity rained down upon the world. Huh. Okay. Oh, all right. On the 29th, we have Fortress Sniper's Eye. That's the much-anticipated sequel to the other Fortress that is not related in any way to the classic sci-fi action film, 80s one. Mm. Was Fort was Fortress eighties? Must have been, right? I'm pretty sure. Might have been nineties, but I think it was eighties. This one stars uh, Bruce Willis. Did you hear about Bruce Willis? By the way, I did. Yeah, which I guess makes a lot more sense into what's been happening over the last couple of years. Yeah, it's really sad. It is. Also on the 29th, we have the Aviary. That's a Saban Films release. It looks like a. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, maybe a thriller starring uh, Molly Ackerman and Chris Messina. Twisted journey of two women's desperate flee to escape the clutches of Skylight, an insidious cult. Oh, boy. You know, like, I kind of, I would I would be interested in that, and then but then you see that Saban Films logo, and you're just like, oof, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Probably be forgettable. Uh, let's see. Also on the 29th, we have Unplugging, which is a comedy with uh, Matt Walsh and Ava Longoria. Uh, okay. Also on the 29th, we have Crush. That's going to be on Hulu. That is a uh, coming-of-age comedy from the looks of it. And then we also have Rumspringa, which is going to be on Netflix. Netflix about Rumspringa? Yeah, it's a comedy. Yeah, it's about a... Got, uh, yeah, it's about an Amish guy who goes on his uh, rum springer and and uh, you know finds himself. I guess. Ah. It, the the interesting thing about this is th- this is dropping on Netflix on Friday, 
I looked it up. the The only trailer that's available is the German language one. So Netflix what? didn't even bother releasing an English language or subtitle trailer for this. That's how little they care about Rumspringa. Incredible. Incredible. They're out in mm-hmm. full force lately. Just a heads up if you wanted a, an Amish update. Buggies everywhere. Nice. They're traveling. I'd be curious to see or learn how they dealt with the pandemic. Like what their take was on it. Like how did like did they did they mask up? Did they just ignore it? Like what how hard did it hit their communities? Like I'd just be really curious to, to oh. learn more about that. I mean, the little bit that I saw, they did not mask up. I'm sure they didn't. I mean, it wouldn't make sense that they would. And I'm but sure yeah, that none like, of them are vaccinated, but like, did it hit their communities hard? Were they like insulated from it? I'm just, there's a lot of questions I have about that. Naturally. Yeah. On Blu-ray this week, we got 12 Monkeys coming out in 4K. That's a Arrow release. We got Madman coming out in 4K from 1981. Singing in the Rains getting a 4K release. We got Schizoid and X-Ray. It's a double pack coming out 4K. That's a limited edition, only 5,000 of those. So pick them up. We got Dracula Sucks from 1978. And this looks like, is this a, uh, it's like a multi. So this is a, a limited edition also. 4,000 of these. Oh, it's like a, is it a porn? <laughs> Maybe it says it says uh, an adult version of Bram Stoker's novel. So maybe it is some kind of porn. That could be yeah. anything. You throw the adult tag on there. Well, it I also says hardcore. It, it says hardcore. Oh. So <laughs> well, I I think we're whittling it down to what it yeah. could be. Yeah. Uh, Hard Rock Zombies and Slaughterhouse Rock from 1985 and 88. Coming out, that's a, that's another double pack. Vinegar Vinegar Syndrome. Man, I just love what Vinegar Syndrome does. Moonfall is coming out. Is that where the one where the moon falls mm-hmm. on us? Yes. I, yes. There's a part of me that wants because I like the idea of the moon falling on us, and I want to see that uh, presented in cinematic I, form. But I don't know if I want to sit through that whole thing. I almost watched it. This past weekend, but I didn't. I think it's just, I just so bad. Yeah, I think I just want to see the sequence of the moon, like the moon's descent and perhaps landing. Or maybe they save the day and somehow make it not fall and touch down. I mean, on the cover of the Blu-ray, it literally shows the moon smashing into Earth. So, Well, see, oh. that's fucking awesome. I'm sorry. That's just great. That's what movies are made for. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'll give it a look at some point. I mean, it's uh, going to be shitty, but still, yeah, of course. Who does not heard, want to see the moon fall, descend, and impact against the Earth? I heard it's not even like fun in a bad sort of way, though. So uh, I don't know. Uh, let's see. We have Reform School Girls from 1986. That's a Vinegar Syndrome. Uh, Looks like a bunch of other like kind of seventies, eighties style like sort of porn movies are coming out, including Stiff Competition from nineteen eighty five. There's a film noir box set that's coming out, The Dark Side of Cinema. This is volume six. 
Stone from 1974 coming out. Twisting the Knife, four films by Claude Chabrol. It's going to be an Arrow release. Nice. I'm not even sure who this uh, who this director is. What Chabrol? Yeah. Oh, he's done some good stuff. I don't good stuff. What has he done? He's like he's one of the oh you know, French, the, the, the French New Wave. Yeah, 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 I see, I see, I see. But he's done. He did more of like uh, thriller types, not all thriller types, you know. But he's done a couple. He's done a handful of them. Yeah, it looks like uh, looks like he's worked with uh, Isabel Hubert a lot. Cool. I might check that out. Slash Dance from 1989. Oh, that I like that title. Yeah. It, I mean, the cover <laughs> alone. Flash. It looks Flash incredible. Dance. He Said, She Said from 1991, starring Kevin Bacon. I remember when this movie came out, I was, I was very young, obviously, at the time. And I was, I love Tremors. I was a big Tremors fan, obviously, still am. And <laughs> I wanted to see this movie because of Kevin Bacon. And my dad was like, you're not going to like that movie. Like, you're not, you're not going to like that movie. <laughs> and I never did see it. So uh, I, I, don't, I don't know if you I got it. liked it or not. You got to watch it now and then give your dad shit if you do indeed like it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe I'll come up with a theme around it for Saved by the 90s. Uh, Love and Saucers coming out. You can do it based around the theme of movies my dad wouldn't let me watch in the 90s. (laughs) I could probably, you could probably find enough. (laughs) Yeah. I think I could actually. And it would be funny to see like how right he would be because I I have a feeling he'd probably bat a hundred. Yeah, or a thousand. I, yeah, I, he, I think I think you're right. I think he had a he had a pretty good. He knew what, he knew what was up. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's see what else we have here. The Beautician and the Beast from 1997, starring Fran Drescher. We got uh, Expired from earlier this year. Uh, Wonder Egg Priority. An anime um scanner cop that's coming out in 4k it's from 1994 scanner cop 2 Ooh. Uh, oh back... man scanner, scanner cop. cop oh i gotta watch the shit out of this tagline imagine a cop who can read your mind and then blow it away yeah this is like a it's like a sequel to scanners it's like a pseudo sequel to scanners Fucking unbelievable. Oh my god. We got Slaughterhouse Rock from 1988. That's pretty much it. What about Criterions this week? Oh man. Oh, we got two. I'm still kind of hung up on Scanner Cop because that sounds incredible. But uh, we got two Criterions. One is uh, Io Mofe. This is My Desire. This is a Nigerian film from 2020. And it's got uh, three other short films on there, interviews, all sorts of stuff. So I like that. Getting some contemporary African cinema on the Criterion. That's good. And then uh, Round Midnight from 1986, uh, which is Bertrand Tremier doing a uh, love letter to bebop and jazz, Dexter Gordon. Nice. Oh, I don't know why I have not seen that yet. Got to put that on the list. All right, cool. 
Uh, I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net, at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, consider reviewing us on iTunes. That would be very much appreciated. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.